Friends, this episode with Mitch Wallace from Heart on My Sleeve delivers on every single count. I'm still buzzing from it, actually. This conversation was a game changer for me. So many light bulb moments, so many ahas, so much like, hell yes, thank you for saying that. It was just epic. If you support anyone in your life who struggles with mental health or has experienced mental health issues and you want to know how to support them better, this, my friends, is for you. Mitch Wallace, the founder of Heart on Your Sleeve, mental health advocate, and someone I definitely enjoy following on Insta. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, baby. Oh, thank you for being here. And like you said, it's been um, a wild ride getting you here, but you are a very um, busy man doing really great things. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. So I'll dive right into it. So compared to a few years ago, there's a lot more talk around mental health and for, like I for one am stoked. So men like yourself are out there doing great work, great work sorry, towards making it okay and more of a power move for men to speak about their mental health and emotional well-being. But there's still a long way to go, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, statistics would show that um, about three-quarters of us still feel stigmatized. So what we're seeing is um, a very high baseline, as in, you know, before... I would say close to 95% of people would feel stigmatized. So we're definitely seeing an improvement, which is really key. Um, but it's just not at a rate that it's yet eroded enough. Um, if you compare that to something like suicide, we're not seeing improvement. We're actually seeing the trend getting worse. So stigma is something that's actually a really good leading indicator that it's improving. But it's coming from such a high base that we have to do more. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, especially like you're talking about the statistics, we didn't realize they weren't measured for a really long time or at least spoken about, especially in terms of, you know, with all of this fly in, fly out work for men, like how many men were using, like losing, like within the youth um, side of things. Like one of my... Um, cousin's friends took his life um only last week and he's only 19 and it's just catastrophic so i'm glad that while there is an improvement that people like you um and your beautiful company and your charity hard on your sleeve are doing the work that you're doing so um thank you for that yeah i'm, I'm really sorry to hear about your loss it's um it's really tough, particularly as someone who's in their late teens. Um, I think a lot of men in particular solve things in a way that's more absolute um, unnecessarily than, than, um, than women. And that's to say statistically men are three times more likely to, to take their um, life, but we're equally uh, as likely to suffer from mental health issues. So I think for blokes... Um, we talk about it later than, than than women do, so we don't intervene early enough. And um, we also have a mindset that uh, 
we have to solve it completely or you know or, and that might mean taking one's life and i think that the more and more we show real life examples of people thriving despite what they've been through the more men are actually going to believe that like for me um, a psychologist could tell me a whole bunch of stuff which and, and which was super duper important um, but what helped me the most was seeing another guy go through what I've been through and thrive on the other side because that belief can't be taken away from you. Once once you've seen one person do it, they've proven the model. And I think for for particularly for blokes, you need that to because it's so tangible and so such hard data to say um, if one person can, I can too. Totally, and that's just something that I talk about quite often. It's not about um, you know, you've got to live your life in spite of this, or you've got to live your life without fear or anxiety. It's about learning to thrive alongside it and, you 100%. know, finding your way with it. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So I predominantly work with women, but I've had so many questions from concerned partners wanting to be able to support the men and the blokes in their life. So what are some of the telltale signs that someone we love may be experiencing anxiety, depression, or any of those emotional struggle struggles? Yeah. Yeah, I would say for sure, um, and apologies for the background noise, uh, I'm in, in transit at the moment. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so um, I I feel like there's kind of three big things that, that women can um, have to identify issues in their partners or brothers or, or dads. Um, the first is social exclusion. So having people withdraw from um, from their day-to-day circles or their responsibilities or whatever is a big sign. Like a lot of blokes will get very insular and shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so withdrawal is the big one. Um, the second thing is um, irritability. Um, blokes find it easier and more socially acceptable to be angry and irritable than they do sad. Mm-hmm. Um, so particularly if a guy's depressed – you're noticing become quite short-tempered um, and quite kind of disengaged um, way more than usual. And often that's when we as partners might, uh, might disengage back as opposed to having the, the presence of mind to know that it's probably not personal um, and that, that, actually, that person actually wants to be heard. Um, and so how can we hang in there for a bit longer, not be someone's, you know, metaphorical punching bag, but also not bow out at the first sign of, of tension because if you have the maturity to know it probably doesn't have anything to do with you, mm-hmm. it's probably just what's going on internally. You can actually make space for the deeper narrative which wants to be heard, which is I'm sad but I don't know how to say that so I'm just going to be a dick in replace of that. Um, the third thing is... Um, uh, finding a loss of pleasure or joy in, in things they used to do. Um, so, you know, someone, you know, usually plays footy or they go for a run and um, they could like fishing and they start really pulling back from from the things that make them happy because they're, they're lacking pleasure and joy in their everyday activities. That's a, a big telltale sign as well. So withdrawal, irritability, and a lack of pleasure or joy in traditional passions would be the three things I would say for partners or um, supporters to be conscious of in men. But what's more important is like how we deal with that once we've noticed it. 
And yeah. the biggest tip I can I can say with regard to men is make it casual. Reduce the intensity. Guys do not respond well to freakouts. Yeah. You know, if you know a complete freakout, because that that is they don't want to put more of a burden on, and it's going to hurt their pride if you freak out and become really concerned. So staying really stable and reducing the intensity. Like if you're on the couch with with your partner, for example, and you don't think they're going well, turning and squaring up to them, you know, 30 centimetres from their face and just jumping in is not going to get you a good response. You know, making it as casual as you can, going for a drive, going for a walk, 20 minutes in, just gradually starting to, you know, edge around the surface. It's like, oh, what's been going on recently? You know, how are you feeling? And, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine. There's ways to combat the I'm fine by, by saying, by bringing in context. Oh, I noticed the other day... X, Y, and Z happen, you know, was that to do with anything? Um, or, you know, or how have you been feeling out of 10, do you reckon? You know, and anything less than a 7, you can say, oh, you know, what, why why that? Um, and so, you know, this is a process. It might take 100 conversations before a guy opens up to you, but patience is, is a real key part of it, not freaking out, making it casual, reducing the intensity, Um and also, like, you know, one of the reasons why a guy won't open up to a girl is, like, I don't want to make it your problem too. I don't want to feel, like, emasculated. So as much as you can, don't make, like, don't patronize them by um, being overly, overly concerned. You can't be more concerned about it than they are. Otherwise, they just, they'll be like, well, I don't, I don't want to worry you. Yeah. Okay. So, so you really got to hold strong. You know, ultimately, guys have mummy issues just like girls have daddy issues. You want that motherly type figure that's that strong rock that's not phased. I got you. You know, I'm, I'm holding you. I can hold this. That's so important, isn't it? And it's like I often hear women say, "How do I make him open up?" But you can't make anyone. You can't. You can't do that, and that's just like a surefire way exactly like you're saying to get everyone to get someone to shut down it's like when someone tells a woman you know you should probably calm down that's Correct. like the, the kettle's about to blow so oh Correct. you just said so many amazing things in there that i know that so many women who are listening will just be like ah. Oh, okay because it's easy like what women sit in circle like we're always in circle having coffee or you know having these chances and chats and especially if you're in the personal development path or realm or whatever it is we're always having these you know um, opportunities to to chat whereas men um you know if you do do what exactly like you said that sit down on the jump on the couch with a uh, we need to talk would be petrifying and paralyzing and um yeah guys are just going to shut down so that is very good to know so what are some of the worst things that people can say do or assume about mental health in general or gender specific in general let's yeah we can either way whatever is on the top of your mind there um worst things you can assume um well, one would be that uh, kind of going off the back of that point that you've only got one opportunity to check in on someone and if that doesn't go well, then it's all fallen to shit or if someone says I'm fine, that means they're fine forever. I think keeping your barometer on always and balancing that with not overstepping 
which is pestering, um, is a really fine line to walk, but one that you absolutely can walk with emotional intelligence. Um, second is don't be a victim. Um, you know, like we can't assume that everyone's going to know the exact right time to check in on us at all points in time and be a mind reader and make it all okay. We have to take accountability and empowerment for our own well-being and put our hand up and, and let people know when we're not okay instead of, you know, just blaming everyone when shit goes wrong. Um, really important. Third thing is assuming that therapy is only for people that is crazy is crazy. Um, totally. We have to look at therapy or, or seeing a professional just like we would a personal trainer. Your mind is the very essence of existence. It's a subjective reality. Nothing matters unless that filtering device is working well. Invest in yourself because, you know, you don't have to change anything in your life, only your perspective and your life will completely change. You know, you don't need any more material, any more anything just viewing what we already have different will completely change your life. And I think that we we try and get so good at problem solving as opposed to problem relating, you know, relating to mm -hmm. our problems differently as opposed to making them go away. Um, so assuming that mental health exists when all of our problems are solved is is not right. You know, we we can have mental health despite having problems. We can have mental health despite having negative emotions, you know, like, Mental health isn't the absence of negative emotions just as much as it's not the absence of problems. We're allowed to feel anxious. We're allowed to feel depressed. We're allowed to feel whatever we want. We just need to manage the excess occurrence of these emotions. That's all mental ill health is, is the excess occurrence of naturally occurring emotions. Too much anxiety, too much depression for too long, that's when it starts to impede on our life. But the mere presence of them is fine. So there's a few things that I wouldn't assume. Totally. I 100% concur with that. It's like our emotions are messengers. And, you know, if our partners or our loved ones or our friends or if they're going through, if like, if they're in a shit storm and things are going wrong in their life, it is completely acceptable for them to be struggling for a bit and for us as well. Like, I think that there's this whole notion that if you're not feeling joy or, you know, these positive feelings 100% of the time, then something is wrong. And that is not the case. Like we wouldn't have the feelings that we have if we weren't supposed to experience the entire spectrum. So um, that's another thing as well. Like if your, your loved one's going through and facing difficult things, allow them as well that space to navigate those difficult things. But letting them know, like you said, that you've got them is you know that's a beautiful way to be able to show up for someone for sure agreed um and just back onto the partner thing a because i think it's fun to talk about um so uh, and it's also very relevant i think based on what you told me about your listeners um the um girls don't have to have all their shit together nor nor do guys but what i encourage partners to look at is um, be conscious of which role that you're playing. So it's okay to be vulnerable to your partner and, and want your boyfriend or husband or whatever to, to be a rock in your life. Um, and in situations where you're vulnerable, be vulnerable. Like you don't have to be always put together. But when you're in the role of a supporter, i.e. your partner's opening up to you or you want your partner to, to do so, 
that's when you need to show that you have your shit together and that you won't collapse under the heap of their stuff. So mm-hmm. when you're in the role as a supporter, be willing to park your own stuff to the side. You know, be, be willing to, for that moment, or in that container that you build, be willing to share. Like, one person can't always be the rock. It needs to be shared. And um, you might have a conversation in the morning where you're holding space for your partner, and then in the afternoon, they're holding space for you. But in each conversation, you can only ever play a maximum of one role. Like, if, if, if your partner opens up to you and, and needs help on something... You can't then turn the conversation and be like, oh, I need help too. Like, you can only take turns. You have to create a new container for that. So playing one role at a time is really important. Um, and as a guy, there's, there's nothing more attractive in a girl than their ability to stay strong for you when you need them to be strong. But they don't need to be strong all the time. You're allowed to fall. You're allowed to be a mess. A guy wants to support a girl just as much. It makes them feel manly, you know, when they're allowed to support their partner. But there's nothing more attractive than when push comes to shove, your girl holds you down um, and, and, can, and can really be that, that rock for you just as much as you want them to be, um, a, a, yeah, a rock, a rock for you. And my final point on this is that uh, you, your partner cannot be your everything. It worries me so much when I see Instagram posts with a guy and a girl, and either one of those genders with a caption saying, my everything. Oh, that to same. me is a massive red flag, massive red flag, because if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're, you're opening yourself up to the weather. The weather is now, you know, your, your entire sense of being is wrapped up in someone that you don't have control over. And so you can't expect, and Esther Perel does a lot of great work on this, you can't expect, in the modern age, we expect our partner to be our, our you know, sexual god or goddess, our emotional rock, our financial um, stability, um, our best friend, our comedian, our parent to our children, our life traveler. Like, you just cannot be successful in every single role and so it's really important to diversify your buckets you know invest in your friendships just as much as you invest in your partner invest in your family relationships as much as you invest in your partner but most importantly invest in yourself and that's a really cliche term that we throw around around a lot but I think the best way to invest in yourself is be willing to sit with pain without asking your problem partner to make it go away you know, you've got this. Build that fucking strong foundation in yourself that you can rely on yourself too. Not exclusively. Like, you don't need to always... You definitely don't need to do it on your own. Jesus. But you need to be able to have your own back without making your partner responsible for the insecurities that you may or may not have worked through previously. Totally. I love that you touched on that so much because it is so important that... We don't look to our partners. Oh, he just doesn't make me happy anymore. Like, or, you know, I'm just, we're, we're putting that responsibility for our entire scope of how we're feeling, doing, perceiving life in the hands of someone else. And it's like, if their partner can't, or your partner or anyone or your friend or someone comes in in a bad mood, you don't have to match it. Like just because they're in a bad mood or they're going through something, you don't necessarily have to go there and be there. And that is making them 
govern everything in your life. Like we need to be responsible and take ownership of our own happiness and our feelings and our self-care and our downtime, you know, like that. If you don't do that, then you just sort of, you know, you're becoming a shadow of whoever it is. And it's like when people break up, they say, I don't know who I am anymore. And it's like, that's so easy to lose yourself in a partnership if you don't stay strong and true to who you are and your interests and know what it is that lights you up so that then you can show up in that relationship not as a half which also shits me and it's like my other half it's like nah yeah. you're you're whole like you've just uh, finding someone within that relationship to do to add to your life and you to add to theirs and to amplify your life experiences, not that you're missing something or lacking something and looking for someone to fill that gap because that also places so much pressure on your partner with like, it's often unspoken. They don't know that what you're expecting them, like that void to come and fill. And that's also like, geez, we've gone off on a tangent now, but that's something that puts, you know, so much pressure on a relationship and our ability to support each other within that. Agreed. And I think to, to, to echo your point, it all gets summarized by you want your partner to make you better, not make you enough. Ooh, that's a really good one. I love and that. that. And, and you know what's awesome about that is it's sustainable, but it's fucking attractive. Like if I'm with a girl who loves me and and she's like oh you know i love who i am around you and i love how you push me and i love how you support me but if you went away i would be fine there's nothing more attractive than that i want you but i don't need you like and the the thing is it that's not just healthy for you it's healthy for the relationship because it just it brings so much spark into a relationship when you're like wow i'm lucky to have this person but i know that i i'm not entitled to them and that they don't need me, they want me, and they're investing in their career, they're investing in their passions, they're investing in their friends, they're investing in their family. If you're someone's everything, it's so much pressure. I've seen like friends of mine, literally whose relationships crumble, because they, they, they're someone's everything so much to the point where it becomes like you're their parent that they never had, and then the sex life goes down the gurgler. Because yeah, totally. they be- become this safety object as opposed to this romance object and it just it, you lose the spark there has to be some there has to be some independence in there to create enough space for the air for the candle to burn so true Mitch you have just been absolutely like dropping the light bulb bomb or what is it light bulb there's been light bulb moments there's been bombs dropped it's Honestly, I know that so many women are going to get so much out of this and hopefully they'll pass it on to their partners as well. So you run a charity organization or it's a foundation called Heart on Your Sleep. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, it's a it's an organization that started as a social movement where I shared my story that went viral and then people around the world started growing and tattooing hearts on their arms and coming forward and sharing their story. Um, to give inspiration and belief to others that um, that they can be more than the story that they've told themselves. So I was trapped in a narrative, and the, and the main thing that freed me from my narrative was seeing another guy, um, didn't, didn't matter that it was a bloke, but another person, um, 
go through what I'd been through, which enabled me to feel understood and dropped a lot of the shame and then thrive in spite of what he'd been through, which gave me belief in a blueprint around how to live in, in spite of what I was going through. So I was like, cool, how do we tell as many stories as possible as part of Heart on My Sleeve to be one person's inspiration or understanding and inspiration that they can change their narrative to? Since then, our organization has grown from just the social movement into a full services provider. Um, we work with individuals and companies. With companies, we run a whole raft of training programs from leadership training, peer support training, staff training, all based around how we can have a more healthy and emotionally intelligent conversation. Um, we help companies completely change their programs uh, that they offer to their staff, the way that managers interact with employees upon disclosure of mental health issues, et cetera, et cetera. And individuals, um, we run uh, digital learning programs, which is coming online in about a month. Um, we run workshops, we run um, a whole bunch of storytelling programs, etc. Ultimately with the goal that we want to help people either speak their truth um, or we want to help people seek action, seek help um, as a result of being inspired by another peer on the Heart of My Sleep platform. So good. And so how can people get involved and support you in that? Because it's massive. Like it, you guys went gangbusters on, I don't know, remember the exact day, but it was in October, wasn't it? Where you had everyone um, sharing their stories with their heart on their sleeve all across social media. That went nuts. Yeah, I think the um, there's kind of like uh, three main ways. One is to follow along on, on social um, and to just, you know, keep keep letting in the message that you're not alone through the stories that we tell. The second thing is would be um, tell your own story um, uh, through, you know, drawing a heart on your arm and, and coming forward and sharing your experience. Um, third thing is if you're not ready to share your story and if it's not safe to do so, make the pledge. And the pledge is where we are trying to drive the, other side of the are you okay conversation, the I'm not okay conversation. And the pledge is a commitment and a promise that you'll seek help and take responsibility for your own health and life when you're not okay. Um, and we've seen so many people around the country benefit so much from this. Um, we actually send you a free wristband if you make the pledge um, that reminds them every day um, I will be real when I'm struggling. Um, now there's a fourth thing, so I lied, there's more than three things. The fourth <laughs> thing would be when we launch all of our services in the coming weeks and months on, and the best place to look out there is heartonmysleeve.org, but we'll announce it on social. There's a whole raft of, of resources that will be available to you to, that you can learn and grow with. That is so cool. And guys, I have seen testimonials because I do follow Heart on My Sleeve um across all the social platforms the testimonials coming through from mitch's workshops and the way that he has benefited businesses if you do have a business or you would love to get him or a representative of heartonmysleeve.org to your business please check them out because as you can see the guy knows his stuff or as you can hear rather um and mm -hmm. i think you know that's you're having such important conversations with areas that often don't get the look in like how like with your exactly what you mentioned just there with your work like you know when you aren't okay 
how to handle that and how you know to equip your staff to deal with that because like you said the stats are ginormous and actually I just saw a meme um, only just before I jumped on here where businesses it was like this meme from this big organization saying we want to no, we noticed that our employees are like overworked overstressed you know all of that we want to do something for their um, mental health and then the next person's like well how about we put some more people on offer some counseling and some coaching and they're like no 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 not like that just like let's do yoga and it's like mm. so okay i'm really not good at tra- i love a meme but anyway <laughs> i'm yeah, not i'm not really selling love it a meme. I- no it's true and and i think you know um before this podcast i was just presenting at kpmg on this exact issue and i said workplaces like have got it twisted in that they're trying to do green smoothies and headspace apps and lunchtime yoga thinking that that's what's required to have a mental health strategy when it's not the main responsibility of the workplace above everything else is do not make someone worse. Do not cause or aggravate a mental health issue. Anything above that is a nice to have. If you do the fucking smoothies and all that stuff, that's fine. But from everything that I can see, people would forego all those perks if all they got from their employer was you're not adding to my load and stress that I'm trying to deal with and that I can talk openly with you. If I just got that minimum luxury, I, that, that would change my life from a workplace. So whenever I work with corporates, I'm like, dude, drop everything you're doing, go back to the bare basics and orientate yourself around one thing. Are you causing or aggravating mental health issues? If you just get that right, if you just prevent psychological injury, if you just make people's lives Um, if you don't make it harder, you don't even need to make it easier. So long as you're not making it harder, you're fulfilling your role. Everything on top of that is cream. But what you certainly don't need to do is fix someone's problems. A a workplace would never be responsible for solving someone's mental ill health issue. They can, you know, because there's so much personal context that goes into that. Um, And it's impossible for an employer to make someone unbipolar or make someone unanxious you know their role is only to take accountability to what they're responsible for which is in the workplace do not make someone worse epic see now guys if you are listening and you have anyone who you feel would benefit from that please by all means share this episode um there's just so much gold in it thank you mitch i really appreciate you giving your time to us today this was so useful so what is your insta handle where people can find you and share the shit out of everything that you're putting (laughs) out there because it's so important so um if you want to follow me as a human um mitch (laughs) wallace i think it's mitch.wallace uh wallace w-a-l-l-i-s not a-c-e um on insta or if you want to follow the company and what we're doing with stories there um at heart on my sleeve on instagram or facebook i mean a lot of people think that i am heart on my sleeve but heart on my sleeve is is everyone else it's the community it's it's the organization i happen to share the first story and i happen to be the founder and ceo but that's very much the stuff we do for everyone else my channels is where i speak my truth give my opinions and talk about my own story so both of which hopefully will be useful absolutely and you're really fun to follow by the way i really good. enjoy your stories they really yeah. i can relate good. and i get a good giggle out of it yeah, thanks mitch it yeah <laughs> thanks so much <laughs> thank you